we're going to jump into this passage here today. Uh, I, I think God has, has some incredible things for us, but I, I, I need to apologize because some of you, maybe even the men, uh, if you read ahead or you continue to read in, in, in this next passage, um, you're like, how come we didn't cover this? And Because the next couple words that we'll get on next week start with this. Um, wives, submit to your husbands. Uh, but that's not today. That's next week. We're, we're going to be talking about marriages next week. Um, and and I, I say that because it's so important. I, uh, next week is one of those passages. If it starts out, wives, submit to your husbands. There's... <laughs> This is one of the passages in church that um, gets twisted, gets turned, gets messed up. And I got to tell you this. If you know people that are struggling, uh, maybe even in their marriages, uh, then next week would be a really good week to invite them to come because it's going to be such a loving passage. We're going to get to that next week. What we're talking about this week is um, Paul writing to the Christians. Paul is in jail. And he's saying, Christians, keep your eyes focused on Christ. Move in unity. Like, worry about and think about and, th and live your life where you're focusing on God. Walk in love. Walk in light. And this week's passage is walk in wisdom. And as Paul is talking to this church, he's saying, do all this thing. You're going to know who Christ is. Do all this thing and think about your life and your relationship with him. And then... As we get into next week, we can begin talking about how that's going to be lived out in the world, in the places and spaces that we go, in our relationships with our husbands and wives, in our, in our government, and so on and so forth. But today is one of his reminders where he looks at the church, and he says, church, walk in wisdom. Like, be smart. And thank you, Jason, for reading this passage for us, uh, but I want to jump right into it. So let's look at, at chapter 15, or, or chapter 5, verse 15, and if you have one of those blue Bibles, it's on page 677. So you can move to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. Verse 15 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Wise. Wisdom. The book when James writes, he says this, ask God for wisdom who gives generously to all. I want to I ask us this. Do we ask God for wisdom in our own life? James says, ask God for wisdom. I had a youth pastor growing up, and he would say this, hey, I pray every day that God would give you wisdom, Aaron, because you need it. I don't know what he was saying exactly, but I've had people in my life, and, and I've kind of made it a habit of me. Pray for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom, and James says, God will give it to you generously. Are we as Christians and his, and his sons and daughters asking God for wisdom? And Proverbs says this, search for wisdom to the degree of this. Sell everything that you have to run after wisdom. Everything. All your gold, all your silver, and yes, all your Xboxes and iPhones. Sell them. Run after wisdom. Desire wisdom. And as Paul's writing, he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Wisdom comes from the Lord. And that's the only place that wisdom comes from. Knowledge, there's a lot of smart people in this room, educated. We, we don't get a, got us an education. We got a degree to prove it, right? We can gain knowledge. If we don't know something, we could go to YouTube, the all-knowing YouTube. We can get books. We can go to college. We can gain a lot of knowledge, but wisdom and wisdom that Paul's talking about and the Bible talks about only comes from the Lord. Psalms 1 says this, Blessed is the one 
who does not walk in the steps of the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Wisdom only comes from God, from his Bible, from his word. Are we asking God to give us more wisdom as we seek his counsel and we align our lives with what he says? Psalms 1, 19, 9 through 11 says this. I'm giving a lot of Bible verses today. Is that all right? Yeah, I don't care. It's all right. If not, we're in the wrong spot. Okay. Uh, Psalms 119, 9 through 11 says this. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not, do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Wisdom comes from the Lord. And Paul is saying, run after him and, and live lives not of unwise, but as wise men and women, sons and daughters, followers of a king. Because that's where true wisdom comes from. So verse 15 says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And then we get to verse 16, it says this, making the best use of the time, because the days are straight up raunchy, nasty, evil, whatever your version says. Mine actually says evil, but I like that raunchy word too. Making the best use of your time because the days are evil. And when you begin to look at it in the context, when it says making the best use of your time, it has implications that means this, to redeem the time. Make the best use of your time to redeem the, the time, to do something with intensity and purpose with the time that you've been given. I'm not sure about you, but I've missed a lot of great opportunities in my life. I've wasted some valuable seconds, minutes, days, maybe years, of, of my life because I, I walked in them not as wise but unwise. Time is the most valuable commodity that we have. And every one of us, we wake up with the same amount of time unless God chooses to bring us home. It doesn't matter what kind of education, how much money you have, if you live in poverty, if you live on an island that's named after yourself. We have only a limited amount of time, and we all have the same amount of time. Paul is saying, be careful, making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. We have no, we have no idea how much time we have. So the question for us today, and the question for the readers of this time and, and the audience that Paul was talking to is this, um, have we, are we spending time on things that matter the most? Are we? Think about your week, this last week. Are we spending our time on the things that matter the most? We need to premeditate how we're going to live our life in the empty spaces of time. Does that make sense? Let me say this again. We need to premeditate. We need to think about how we're going to live our life when, you know, tomorrow morning we wake up or tomorrow evening or, t or even this afternoon when we find ourselves in a place where our calendar actually is not full. We need to think about how we're going to spend our time in, in those moments especially. You know, we're going to talk here a little bit later and we're doing a class um, uh, called Financial Peace University and Dave Ramsey is, is teaching that. We're going to do that here on Tuesday it starts. Bill's going to come talk about that later. But one of the things I love about this class, one of the, one of the lines I love uh, in, during this class is Dave Ramsey says, tell your money where to go. Tell your money where to go. 
And he's talking about, you know, being wise with your money. But I want to tell you this in light of that. Tell your time what to do. Because it's in those empty spaces that I don't know about you, but this is the way I'm designed, and this is the way I think, and this is the way that I move. But it's in those empty spaces that I make the worst decisions of my life. It's in those empty spaces that I begin to get really selfish and say, you know what, I deserve to sit here for six days and play Xbox. I deserve this. I've worked hard for this. It's in those moments right there that Satan usually comes in and really attacks me. I begin to use my time in unwise ways. Paul is saying, tell your time where to go, what to do. Think about God. Use that time in wise ways. And how do we make the best use of our limited time that we have on earth? And I don't know about you, but I thank you, Ryan. I thank you, Trina. I thank you, Youth for Christ, and everyone involved, that you're using your time to pour into the lives of some of the videos and the kids that we saw. That is wise. Church, are we using our time with wisdom? Or are we just letting the empty spaces and places destroy us? Because we're not using it the way God has asked. So we look at verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Get to verse 17. says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And I want to bring this together, his will and my life. I want to bring that together, and I want to live that in my life, where it's his will, and I'm understanding that it's his will in my life, and it meets with the reality of how I'm spending my time, my money, my resources, everything goes towards that. I want to know his will. I want to understand his will in my life. If I waste my time on things that are not um, his will, I'm a fool, because I can't get that back. Have you ever sat with someone on their deathbed? Or have you ever talked to someone later on in their sage age of life? As they think back on on their life and they think back on how they've spent their time. I've been in some really cool conversations with some people that were near death. As they just poured out the love of God and you saw it in their eyes and you, you heard it in their voice. But I've also sat on the complete opposite side of that. With someone full of regrets wishing they would have lived their life in a different manner, spent it more with people that they love, maybe used more use of their time in, in wise ways instead of unwise ways. And Paul is writing us, and he's looking at us today, and he's saying, you know what? Forget about what you did yesterday. Forget about what you did this morning. The cool thing is, is God's mercies are new every day. His love is new every day. And regardless of how we've spent our limited time to this point, whatever age that we find ourselves in right now, Paul is saying, be wise with how you spend the rest of the limited time you have on earth. Today, we all start fresh. Today, we all get the opportunity to leave here and to be wise with the way that we spend our time. I want to understand the will of God in my life, and I want to align my life with that, and I want to be wise in the way that I live my life. How about you, church? Think about that if we had a church of of people that said, no, I'm not going to choose to do this, but I'm going to do this in my life. I'm going to chase after the will of God in my life. We would erupt Greeley and beyond. God's name would be known in this place. It would be known in northern Colorado. It would be known throughout the world. Why? Because God is using our time. And that's a life that I want to live. I want no regrets on my deathbed. 
I will have some. That's where God's grace will come in and say, it's all good, Aaron. But I want to run after him while I can. How about you, church? Let's get to verse 18. Oh, this is a good one. I like this one. Uh, some people aren't here this morning because they're hungover, and I wish they would hear this. Okay, you ready? <laughs> and do not get drunk with wine or with fat tire or with Coors or with whatever your microbrewery of choice is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But, I love those big butts, and I want to live on the other side of the butts all the time in the Bible. Like I li- I w- Okay, do not get drunk, for that is debauchery. But, but, here, this is where I want to be, on this side of the thing. But be filled with the Spirit. Amen to that. Amen to that. I was at yesterday, I don't know, maybe some of you went. I went to Tour de Fat yesterday. Anyone ever been to this? Yeah? 20,000 people in Fort Collins, and, and, and uh, New Belgium puts it on, and they're all riding bikes, and some people are dressed appropriately, some people are not dressed appropriately. Some people have drank a whole lot, some people didn't drink a whole lot. But 20,000 people just, just having fun. Most were great, some <laughs> had a little too much to drink. But here, here's, here's what I saw in some, in some eyes of some people. I saw emptiness. I mean, we're here having fun, riding bikes, hooting and hollering, dressing up. I mean, it's, it's great, but I couldn't help but notice occasionally, God, just the emptiness in some of the eyes and some of the, the way that the people were living, and it just was kind of breaking my heart. Because in essence, what Paul's talking about is he's when, when you're given up to debauchery and you're given up to this wine and you're given up, this is what's happening to you. Your mind is gone and you do crazy things because of the influence of that wine in your life. You're not thinking logically. Look at the Bible. The Bible's full of this. Noah got so drunk, what did he do? Man, this, this is, he's got to be embarrassed at this. Like He got naked and danced around in front of his family. Oh, Zoe and Audrey, that would be bad. (laughs) He wasn't in his right mind. He did crazy things. Paul is writing, saying, don't get drunk. Don't don't live a life that's full this way. Don't be even addicted. Don't put anything in his place is what Paul is saying in this passage. He's saying, you know what, wine, I'm going to use that as an example. But don't put anything in the place of God. Some of us, we turn to things and we put things in place of God. So we might as well just use this, don't, don't get drunk on wine, and we might as well put a line there and just fill in a whole lot of different things in there. Because some of us, we've been drunk on wine. But some of us, we've been drunk on money. Some of us, we've been drunk on sex, food, alcohol, entertainment, relaxation, sports. Like, what do you turn to when your life gets hard? What do you turn to? Do you turn to the Holy Spirit and God into your life, or do you turn to that wine, your money, relaxation, sports? What do you turn to? Paul is saying this. Stay focused on Christ. Don't turn to anything other than Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible is not teaching, and Paul is not saying to live an ascetic life full of no pleasure. No, God has given us all these things, even wine. He's given us sex. He's given us relaxation. He's given us all sorts of things to use because he loves us. He says, be filled with joy. Enjoy these things. But hey, listen, there's limits to this. 
I'm not saying to go and have no pleasure in life, full of a vanilla-flavored life. No, I want you to live a life full of color. I want you to have fun. I want you to enjoy on the things that matter. But never, ever, ever turn to anything more than you turn to Jesus Christ. Life of joy is filled with good times and mirth, a lot of laughter. But when we turn to things like wine, habits, whatever it may be, we begin to replace Jesus with these things. Our souls are going to be longing. We're going to be empty. And for a moment, it's going to be great. But we're going to be quenching the spirit in our life. And it's going to lead to just a, null, a, a numb, dull life. So where do you go in your life? Do you turn to the spirit or do you turn to these things? And Paul's right in the church. He's saying, wake up. Those things are empty. Life is full when you're focused on Jesus Christ. Would you agree with this, church? Yeah? Thank you. Thank you. Verse 17, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. The spirit-filled life is not living in isolation, but in community with God's saints. He's saying, be filled in the spirit. I, there, there's a saying, and I think it may be John Maxwell says, if you want to run fast, run alone. But if you want to run far, run together, run with someone. And Paul is speaking to the unity of the church. And he's saying, being part of this body means being filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what we get to do for the body of Christ? We get to encourage each other, and we get to be encouraged. That's way better than any wine. That's way better than any entertainment, any Super Bowl, whatever things we would put in the place of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying when you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to be encouraged, and you're going to encourage others in the body to move in unity as the world looks at you as weirdos because you're full of a joy they don't understand. Are you and am I filled with the Holy Spirit? If so, look what happens. Verse 18, verse, we get to verse 19. It says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting one to another, to one another out of reverence for Christ. And Paul is talking a lot here and saying, sing to one another. He's, he's not saying go up and go, how are you, brother? <laughs> I'm fine, sister. Holy as a Lord, brother. No, he's not, he's not saying that. But in this early time, what did they do? Quite often, they sang their doctrine. They sang the doctrine to remind themselves who God was. Oral tradition was passed on before words were even written on pages that would talk about the things of God. And one of the ways that they remembered was to sing their doctrine. To say, this is who God is. Don't forget what he's done. Don't forget who he is. And Paul is writing and he's saying, don't be drunk with the wine. Be filled with the spirit. 
and sing to one another, encourage one another, address each other in psalms and beautiful words and speak words of life to each other, not death. If we were to sing our doctrine right now, each of us, what would your heart sing? Are you so in love with God right now, spending so much time with God, that your heart would just bubble over with love for him? Or are you very confused about who God is? That's understandable as well. But what would your heart sing if you were to right now sing of what you think about God? Proverbs 17.22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up bones. Is your heart filled with love and joy, filled with the Holy Spirit? That's good medicine. A spirit that's not focused on God is going to crush your bones. Proverbs 15, 13 says, A happy heart makes the face cheerful. We've got some happy people here. A happy heart makes the, heart, makes the face cheerful, but a heartache crushes the spirit. What would you sing, and what would your heart sing if you were to sing of the things of God? We get to verse 21, it says, submitting to one another out of reverence. Submitting to, uh, to each other is a necessary component of a community. It's part of this word called the agape love. It means meekness, humbleness. We support each other. We sing to one of another these words of life and love. And we're not focused on anything in this world more than we're focused on Jesus Christ as we move together as his church, shaking and pushing back the gates of hell as we show life and love and hope to a world that's in need and desperate. Youth for Christ, thank you for doing that. Ministry partners, thank you for doing that. Church, thank you for doing that. This morning is the rally call as we sit here. His body. But we leave here in a minute, and wherever we go, the places and the spaces that we go, may we be filled with his spirit, and may we show others the love of Jesus Christ. This is good news. I'm excited for Ephesians. I'm excited for what Paul and God is showing us in this moment. Be praying for the, the message for next weekend. Invite people that, that may be struggling with their marriages. It's going to be beautiful to be in this place. But today, I want us to give us a moment just to reflect on what God's showing us. So if you would, just close your Bibles. And if you're comfortable with it, I'd ask you to hold your hands out in front of you in just a submissive stance and say, God, <laughs> I don't know who you are, but I receive anything you want to show me today. Please show yourself to me. Maybe you've come in here for the first time and you don't know who God is. Just quietly to yourself, 
Just say, God, show me who you are. I want to know who you are. I want to have a life that's filled with joy and passion, not an empty, void, dull, boring, hopeless life. God, I've, I've messed up. I've done a lot of things that I regret. Here's a word for you. The Bible that I read says, there's no man, there's no woman on the face of the earth that's perfect. We've all done things that we regret. The penalty for those things, some of our actions, literally is death. This is the beauty of the gospel message. This is where Jesus comes in. God sends his only son to earth to live a perfect life because our actions deserve death deserve blood and this is where we see in the Christian faith Jesus born and then especially around this Easter time we see pictures of Jesus on the cross and what is he doing he's dying a painful death this perfect man son of God is dying a death his blood is getting poured out on the cross Then we see that he rises from the dead three days later and defeats death. Why? Why? Why all that? Why kill this innocent man? It's because God loved you so much. He sent his son to live a perfect life, to die on the cross. And that blood dripping down covers all of our sins we've ever done and ever will do. So as we sit here today, We may be filled with regret, but let that tear flow down your face. Let that word grace roll in your mind, because this grace word means this. God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you, to cover over all that sin, all those actions, all that regret, to make you new, not because you deserved it, but because he loves you. So as you sit in this place today, the question is this. Will you accept that grace? Will you accept that love? Will you just sit here quietly and say, God, I, I, I don't fully know what I'm doing, but here's what I think is happening. I think you're calling me to be your son and daughter. And I surrender my control, control of my life to you. I accept this beautiful grace. Thank you for paying for all my actions. Thank you for your love. That's you today. Especially, there's that card on the chair. Would you just fill that out? Would you say, pray for me today? Maybe some of us, though, we've been coming to church about a billion times. We call ourselves Christians, and God is showing us some incredible, amazing things today. Maybe you even have a prayer request. You can write that on the card and put it in the offering in the back left of the room. But here's the deal. In this place, I'm praying that his Holy Spirit will fill each and every single one of us. That it will be an intimate time of worshiping God, the creator of all that we know, who loves us intimately, that in this place, we won't hold back anything. Some of us, we may need to just go, God, please excuse me and forgive me from living a life of debauchery or whatever it may be. I've put things in place of you that don't need to be there. Please crush them right now. Let me focus on you and you alone, God. In church, when we 
realize who God is. Everything he's done for us. All we can do is fall on our face and worship him and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty and sing to him and say, God, it's about you, not about us. Thank you for who you are. So in this place, I invite us in a moment to stand. If you have a child in Project Kids, you can quickly and quietly go and retrieve them and come back. Let's worship as a family. But in this place, if you need prayer, please let's pray together. If you want to worship God through your tithes and offerings, that's in the back. If you want to worship through just sitting and writing a prayer request, then do that. If you want to worship God by standing and praising God, then do that. But in this place, it's about you and God. So if you would, let's stand and I'll pray for us and we'll continue. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. In this place, we want to lock eyes with you. We want to be filled with your spirit, God. And we want to lift our hands and our voices and sing of how amazing you are. Thank you for bringing us together. And it's your name we pray.